Hello, and welcome to Sprock Gold Talk Radio. This is episode 10, our final episode of the year. Today we're going to do things a little differently. If you've been listening all season, you may have noticed something's changed already. You're not hearing that soothing voice of our host, Ed Coyne. Instead, you've got me. My name is Stuart Ellis, and I'm the producer of Sprock Gold Talk Radio, and I'll be filling in for Ed for this final episode of the season. We've been very fortunate to have a great mix of guests on the podcast this year. Our guest list has included members of our own Sprock Gold team, some of our strategic partners, and some of the sharpest minds out there when it comes to understanding the dynamics of precious metals and our modern economy. Today we're going to have a little fun and look back at our first season, and we're going to highlight some of the most memorable and insightful moments from our great lineup of guests. So without any further ado... And now, the Sprout Gold Talk Radio Top 10 Memorable Moments from Season 1. Number 10. From Episode 9, Mike Dorenzio on the many uses of silver in the modern economy. We like to say that silver essentially surrounds us all. And odds are very, very good that if it has an on and off switch, silver is contained in that product. You know, it could be anything from automobile, cell phones, mobile phones, computers, we mentioned solar panels, modern televisions, as well as the many medical uses that silver has. Um, you know, the white metal is essentially all around us. Number nine. From episode eight, Paul Wong on the U.S.'s grand fiscal experiment. All you have to do is look at the spending that's going on in the U.S. The U.S. is under, a, lack of a better word, a grand experiment. Fiscal spending, monetary policies are, are, are off the charts, literally. And to accommodate that, with you know, especially with right now the U.S. debt to GDP is running about 130 percent right now. It's the highest since the Second World War, and the only way to really is to accommodate all that debt. There's two key tools. One is dollar debasement. The other one is financial repression. Right now, the Fed is running with a policy of zero interest rates and average inflation targeting. Those two tools, essentially. It guarantees almost dollar debasement and financial oppression, meaning that the U.S. dollar will go lower and real rates will go deeper negative in the, in the long term. Number eight from episode four, Sri Kargatkar on the demand dynamics of platinum and palladium. The one theme that keeps coming up when I speak with the CEOs of companies engaged in PGM production is just how overwhelming the demand for these metals is, particularly for palladium, but also for platinum in the last few years in relation to the supply that is available. As long as there are deficits in these metals, I think prices will continue to rise. And when it comes to palladium, for example, the automotive sector is scrambling in order to secure their metal. The thing that really strikes me is that the investor demand for palladium has been negative, but it's not because the investor demand has gone down for the palladium metal. It is because the metals traders have been rating the ETFs that hold the metal 
in order to secure the supply for the automotive chain. And that really has been part of the reason why we have seen this parabolic move in William. Number seven. From episode seven, Jim Grant on Nixon's motivations to suspend the Bretton Woods Agreement. It was purely political. <laughs> you know, Nixon was running for election in 1972. And here's, here's imagine yourself as a counselor to the president, right? Mr. President, we have two choices. You can uh, reduce federal spending and cut short the war in Vietnam and tell the Federal Reserve to cut back on monetary stimulus and can save the Bretton Woods gold convertibility feature. Or you can't let the money supply rip and keep spending and get reelected. What do you select? <laughs> and the president selected option B. Number six. From episode two, John Hathaway on the compelling valuations of gold equities. Well, the first thing is that gold mining stocks, first of all, gold is out of favor and gold mining stocks are even more out of favor. I've, I've been investing in as a gold specialist since 1998. I've never seen the values as compelling as they are right now. So if you wear your hat as a value investor or as a contrarian, you have to be interested in the stocks, even if you don't take particularly bullish macro view of the gold price. And in a world of overvalued securities, both bonds and stocks, in fact, I wrote a paper at the beginning of this year showing that the valuation of the S&P 500 was in the 100th percentile of all historical experience. And, you know, that can go on for a bit, but it would be hard to not say that the investment consensus is priced for perfection and will probably get less than perfection. So gold mining stocks, which have had a correction going back to last August, have come down to valuation levels where if the stock market were to sell off, which I think is a reasonable bet, you would probably have much less risk in gold mining stocks. And again, if the stock market were to sell off, it seems to me that that would be bullish for gold because investors would look for defensive strategies to protect capital. And of course, gold is one of those. And then gold mining stocks by extension. Number five. From episode five, Ronnie Steufler on inflation. Well, you know, the the title of this year's report or the leitmotiv is monetary climate change. And we say, while basically everybody is talking about ESG, SRI and climate change, we want to introduce our readers to our views on another climate change, which is this monetary climate change that is currently happening. So from our point of view, this pendulum was swinging over the last couple of months from a rather disinflationary or deflationary side to the inflationary side. So I think the inflationary forces are now really much stronger than the deflationary forces. And just one example, two years ago, there was a cover of Bloomberg Business Week, and it said, is inflation dead? And back then, nobody really saw inflation reappearing. Now, Barron's just had the cover showing the I word. So inflation is a topic again. But the big thing is that if you talk to or listen to central bankers nowadays, they will all tell you that it's 
temporary. So that it's just the base effect, that it's commodity prices now being up, etc. But that inflation numbers will come back again. Our take is different. From our point of view, we are really seeing a big shift and a fundamental break. Number four. From episode eight, Paul Wong on the surprising alignment of the S&P 500 and gold equities. Here's another interesting tidbit. Since January, early January 2016, which is the low in the, in the gold equity trade, it's actually performed in line with the S&P 500. Like most people will be shocked to hear that. The last five years, it's actually performed in line. It's just at the bottom end of its trade range. Just plot a gold equity index against the S&P 500. I'll go back, you know, beginning of January of 2016, you'll see that, yeah, there are periods in time when gold equities massively outperform and they contract, massively outperform and they contract. And right now we're, we're in the massive contraction phase and we're actually at the lower end of the channel. There's several reasons why on a risk reward basis, if you haven't looked at gold equities, there's a good reason to look at it now. Number three, from episode six, Pear Yonder on the future of nuclear energy. I, I think where you start there is just looking at the the electricity demand, the, glo- the global electricity demand, and how fast it's been growing. Like it's it's been doubling since uh, the year two thousand, and we're, it's scheduled to, uh, to double again by twenty forty. The world is going to need ele- electricity, regardless of where you go, and especially now in the last couple of years, there's a lot of talk of decarbonization. And uh, and it comes to setting very aggressive targets on power generation. We're basically eliminating fossil fuels. It's obviously a very rapid expansion in uh, electrification of the transport sector. Like even now, it's like I don't think it goes a day without seeing an electric car on the roads. And this is in the Midwest still. And you're looking at a place like Norway, where over half of the new cars sold are electric. Uh, so it it really is a rapid expansion in that area. And uh, and the role then. Of nuclear energy where that comes in is of course like you're gonna have renewables there's we're gonna need everything we have and renewables is a great way of generating electricity but where where nuclear comes in i think is that you're gonna need a baseload energy and that's traditionally where you've seen the fossil fuels coal oil gas those are all um, they're all emission of greenhouse gases and, and nuclear energy obviously has very low or none they have some emissions on a, on a life cycle view from cradle to grave, but on the power stations themselves, there are zero emissions. And on top of that, the, the reliability of them, that once you turn them on, they keep running. They, they run 90, 95% of the time. You only stop them to refuel and then you turn them back on again. So they're very efficient. One little fingertip of a fuel pellet is the same amount of energy content as, uh, as three bar- barrels of oil or, or a large one ton of coal. Number two, from episode eight, Paul Wong on the escalator-elevator analogy. You need to be a little bit longer term than, than perhaps you're comfortable with. Like we're, we're used to seeing the S&P steadily climb, steadily up, 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 up. And then eventually what will happen is, you know, the, the old market adage, you know, markets go up on escalator and comes down on the elevator. That happens quite often. Gold's the opposite. It goes down on an escalator and comes up in an elevator really quickly. If you take a, take a look at the gold chart, uh, you'll see that, you know, it goes through long periods where, you know, it doesn't seem to do anything. And then all of a sudden, the span of four to six weeks, it'll gap up 30%. That's the history of gold. That's how it trades, because gold is a safe haven assets. 
and safe haven assets by definition are mean reverting type assets. So you have to stop thinking about gold in terms of an escalator approach and think more of an elevator. Number one, from episode seven, Jim Grant on gold's true purpose. You know, gold has a way of disappointing its most uh, devoted adherents. You know, 2008 and nine broke people's hearts and went down, you know, in the midst of the crisis. Well, yeah, gold is an ancient medium. It appears in the periodic table. I didn't invent it. Some people think I invented gold. No, it appears, it appears in the periodic table. It's an old thing. And it takes its sweet time, right? It has a, a kind of a geological time sense. That's its clock, geological. Over the sweep of a reasonable investment horizon, it protects against the depredations of the stewards of our currencies. That's what its purpose is. And that's what it mainly does. Over the course of fiscal quarters and even some years, it will disappoint. But over the, over the course of a reasonable investment long-term horizon, it will spare you uh, the punishment that our central bankers are willfully meeting out. Well, there you have it. A big thanks to all our guests. We've certainly enjoyed having them join us to share their wisdom and their insights. And on behalf of everyone at Sprott, we thank you all for your continued support. And we wish you all the best for the holiday season. We'll be back in the new year with Season 2 of Sprott Gold Talk Radio. listening to the Gold Talk podcast by Sprott Inc. For more information and insights on precious metals investing, please visit Sprott.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Sprott entity to the listener. Neither Sprott nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. And any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sprott, and Sprott is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Sprott to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Sprott entity. Past performance is no indication of future results.